here and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Yay. Always the most underwhelming response from Dan. It's like I have to drag him to be here. I, I feel like he's tied up in your basement, Georgie. I know. <laughs> but uh, we got a very special episode. We've been teasing it for a while. Um, but uh, today is the second half of the uh, <laughs> executioner song extravaganza we got going on here. We'll have our, we have two special guests. We have uh, obviously you've heard his voice here on the show before. We have Jason. Hi. And uh, new to the show, uh, but uh, has become really a, a great friend of the show is Grant. Hi. Hey. You guys want to uh, plug your shows so really quickly? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Grant, why don't you go first? Uh, what? What am I doing? You want to let us know where you're from, how we oh, should know sure. you? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I am from the Cable Guide podcast, where for some reason I talk about cable a whole lot. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and uh, that that's it. That, that's all I do. I'm from Florida. I'm sorry. <laughs> We'll blame Florida if you cause any problems, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm from uh, the Wolverine podcast that goes snicked. Uh, of course, all these guys have been on my show before and will be again, so that's fun. And I guess since we're talking geography, I'm from Texas, but I did not vote for Ted Cruz, and I'm blaming for that shit. <laughs> I also did not vote for Marco Rubio. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hmm. Dan, who, who didn't you vote for, Dan? I didn't. I didn't vote for your country. Um, <laughs> That's for the best. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Smart. So, guys, it's uh, it's it's uh, a new year. A lot of stuff we've sort of been looking forward to this year. There's been some announcements about Marvel movies and TV shows and comic books. Is there is there anything like uh, y'all are really excited about this year? Wandavision. Go ahead, bring it. Talk One, about it. One division. I I am a huge fan of the vision. I even like blogged about him for a, a little while, and uh, I was so disappointed when he got kind of sort of killed in the last two Avengers movies. Um, so I'm very excited about that show starting back up. But I finally have uh, Disney Plus, so I can actually watch. <laughs> nice. That starts I, uh, on Friday, huh? The fifteenth, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very excited. Yeah. I, I, I'm piggybacking on that. I'm excited to finally get Disney Plus as well and and watch all of those shows that are that are coming out. I mean, uh, I'm, I'll pretty much try anything they do, and if I don't like, and, you know, that's fine. And not everything's for everyone, but I'm just anxious to to see all the stuff that's coming out and see what's what. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a show that's on that's on a lot of people's radars. How about you, Dan? What are you excited for? Um. Well. As it's the only show that will be released in the next year, um, I suppose One Division. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I, I, um, I just want to, I, I just, I don't know, I just want to watch a film at the cinema. So um, that's never going to happen. So um, <laughs> I'm actually looking, for, I'm actually, I, I love Kamala, so I'm looking forward to Miss Marvel. I have no idea when I'll get to see it. I may be dead before it's released, but I'll be happy that my children will see it at least. But um, <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, Kamala being live, and she's the best thing in most things she's in, like that Avengers game, which is horrible. 
fuck that. <laughs> well, uh, if we're sticking with TV stuff, I'm excited for Hawkeye. I'm a big Kate yeah. Bishop fan, especially with the Thompson run that happened a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really, really uh, amped my love for that character up to like 12. So super excited for that. But also, I think Dan and I are very happy to see that, that Nightcrawler is getting a book finally this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's cool. Um, I'm a really big fan of um, uh, Salisbury,a uh, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like um, I love his um, his ex his previous ex works, but I also love like his crazy twisted city and stuff like that. And it's nice that like a, a British writer is writing uh, people who aren't American, so like Nightcrawler. So that's always good. I will be upset if there isn't at least one Struth in the first issue, Dan. <laughs> well, well, Pixie's in it, and she's apparently Welsh. But if you read oh. any of her dialogue, I I just assume she's anything, uh, anywhere. She's from anyone. Because um, she says truth, too, and I'm pretty sure that's not a Welsh thing. Uh, <laughs> I blame well, Claremont. Uh, also, hope, yeah, Blink, Blink is I in the, the first issue. I hope the colors get brighter in that book. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Georgie, I stepped on you. All good, all good. No, you're right, the colors, I don't know. The artwork, well, I'm a little bit worried about. Uh, agree, but but Blink is in the book, so that also ties into Excalibros. We might be getting two books with Blink in it. That could be cool. Nice. Anyway, I feel like it's a book that we may we, we may have to um actually Talk review. About. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Until the first issue comes out, we both hate it. We're like, nope, we're not doing that. <laughs> I hope not. I really want Nightcrawler to have something fun to do. Right. I've I've missed his kind of. Just popping his head in every now and then to say something that's not enough for me. So, well, he had one line at the end of X of Swords where he's like, Yeah, we had a whole event about swords and I wasn't even like allowed right. to be a part of it. What's up with yeah. that? We've had like 20 issues of all the Dawn of X books and I've barely been a part of it. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of, lot of cool stuff to look forward to, but uh, we're not here to talk about the future, we're here to talk about the past. Uh, specifically the second half of Executioner's Song. Uh, last time we left off, mm, I don't really remember. It's been it's been a while, but <laughs> but things that happened in Strife had been doing pointy stuff, uh, and there was conflict. Um, yeah. And we're starting off with X Men number fifteen. Uh, Jason, do you want to lead us off here? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think maybe to add just a little bit to the recap because it will play into this chapter. Um, sure. You know, Strife has uh, has kidnapped Scott and Gene because they were the bad parents he never knew, and um, he's mad about that. He's got some parent issues, and then Cable and the other X Men are realizing that Strife and Cable look alike. Um, which I may have some questions for you, Grant, as we get through that, but um. And we'll go and start with the chapter 15. Um, oh, and uh, sorry. Strife pretending to be Cable shot Xavier with a techno-organic oh, yes. virus bullet, which is, yes. yeah, kicked off the whole shebang. Yep. All right, so uh, X-Men 15, which is chapter 7, The Camel's Back, uh, written by Fabian Nicieza, pencils by Andy Kubert, inks by Mark Pennington, letters by Chris Eliopoulos, colors by Joe Rosas, um, and the cover is by Kubert, and we have Strife, billowing cape on some kind of golden skull throne, and then Gene and Scott being electrocuted, question mark, in the front on the cover. It's, it's not a bad cover. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's pretty good. 
Um, not my favorite, but that's a, he does a good strife. I'll give him that. Yes. It does okay. really tie into the nebulous powers of strife. Like he can basically do whatever he wants <laughs> in these issues. He can do evil really good. Yes. All right. Well, um, in this one, um, Havoc, Psylocke, and Boomer save Gambit and Quicksilver from Reaper the First. Uh, Storm, Polaris, and Rose. I don't know what that line. That little joke made sense when I wrote this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember what I mean now. But um, anyway, um, Storm, Polaris, and Rogue not dragging us out of the sky. Uh, a more fighty fight as the X team mops up the Arkansas MILFs. Uh, Cable body slides Wolverine, Bishop, and, and himself from the crosshairs of Canada's Department K to Gray Malkin. Uh, strive feed Cyclops and Gene baby food before going to Egypt to hunt Apocalypse. <laughs> uh, strife easily disposes of the Dark Riders and then threatens a weekend Apocalypse with riddles. That's all I got. Well, that's very accurate. Very <laughs> accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, Jason, what did you think of this issue? Um, I thought it was a fairly strong chapter. Um, yeah, a couple of things. So they use cyblading as a verb to knock um, on the knockoff Psylocke from Cyberforce. So there's a part where Psylocke is using the the uh, totality of her whatever dagger, and they talk about cyblading someone. And of course, this is right on the hills of the debut of Cyberforce, where Sylvestri had a not Psylocke character named Cyblade. So you have to feel that's an intentional jab. Right. Um, but also, I have a question for Grant on mm. this one. Yep. So is this the first time the baby Nathan escapes Apocalypse just – oh, wait. Is this the first time the baby Nathan escaped Apocalypse just for future Apocalypse? Oh. Uh, I'm so confused what? on that question. What yeah. the hell am I asking? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we must have noted that Jason has been kind of sick. Maybe you wrote this in like a fever dream. It could have been State a fever baby, dream, yeah. Did baby Nathan escape Apocalypse? Is that what you're asking? To grow to grow up to be Strife? Yes. Okay, no. Uh, what <laughs> happened was that baby Nathan goes into the future. He gets cloned by Clan Ascani. Um, Apocalypse's forces steal the clone, thinking it's baby Nathan. And Apocalypse raises Strife to be his successor intending to download his consciousness into Strife's body. So basically Apocalypse is Strife's foster father. Okay. And in the future, when Cable has fought Strife, has only been in the armor? Uh, no, he has not. When they fought in the future, Strife had not adopted the armor yet, but there's an there's an like accelerated age difference between the two. So Cable didn't know that Strife was basically the same person, but Strife could tell that Cable was, was, you know, the same okay. person. So, so as Cable got older and, you know, started to learn how to shave and to comb his hair and look in the mirror, uh-huh. didn't it be like, Oh wow, I'm starting to look like that Strife guy. No, because they were like teenagers, like, Strife okay. was maybe like 17 and the cable was about 10 or 12. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And right. that's, in the, that's in the Cyclops and Phoenix miniseries. All right. 
Thanks for uh, ironing all that out. Yeah. For me. And that all gets make, revealed was, like later on. Doc, or? Yeah, that all gets retconned in as of right now. In the present days, really hard to keep track. Yeah, the the way Nicieza is writing it right now is that Cable is supposed to be the clone of Strife, and Strife is supposed to be the real baby Nathan. But that right. all gets kind of undone by editorial. They said, no, we don't like that. Right. 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 I've I like X Men obviously, and I've I've read read X Men all the time, and all of the time around me bullshit. That just blew my mind. I sat again. <laughs> I'm sure I've read this, but I just that is so convoluted. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I think I'm having a nosebleed from it. Um, anyway, carry on. And it gets so much worse in the late 90s, early 2000s, too, because then they go in and erase the future timeline that Cable and Strife oh. grew up in, but somehow Cable didn't die, and Rachel became the I, whatever, and it's something. Yeah. And now I know why I ignore Cable. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So, speaking of the uh, scene that Jason was talking about, where Psylocke is, or Psylocke is sideblading people, I, my note says Psylocke, tiny head, massive legs, no pants. If you <laughs> it literally looks like she's not wearing pants in that issue, and she's her head is tiny, and then her her butt is really out of proportion, and her legs are out of proportion to the rest of her body. And I like Hubert, but that's not great. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels very classic, Hubert, in that sense. Uh, she, the, the women always have tiny heads and, like, they're, they're like Sailor Moon characters, you know? They've got uh, tiny heads <laughs> and the long arms and legs. Mm-hmm. The, the women, at least. Sailor Moon um, work a lot better in the later 90s when he goes on to do Captain America, but it's not bad here. See, I wonder why, uh, when I was younger, Salak was one of my favorite characters. So when I look at him and go, is this why I'm gay now? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, it's a ridiculous. I actually quite like the issue, even though it's been like yeah. dusted with dusted mm-hmm. with like a white sheen. Like the whole thing's really bright, but, yeah. but with like just a, a chrome white over everything. I actually yeah. quite like the way it looks. Um, I did like the colors better on this issue than Kubert's last issue, and I know y'all love Glennis Oliver. Um, but she did the colors on the last Cubert, and their two uh, artistic styles do not mesh well. But I think Roses did a really good job on the colors in this one, or a much better job anyway. It feels like the like X Men style you would see in the early '90s. Like this feels very much. I, I have a, a, a ton of issues that look just like this issue. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do we do we rate the books last time? I don't remember. We did. We did. Yeah. We did pouches ratings. Okay, so it was out of six or it was out of five? Out of six. All right, well, let's let's have your pouch ratings. Jason, you uh, you, you um, reviewed it. What do you think? I mean, I recognize in the context of the event, there's a lot of silliness. But I, I this is one of the chapters I found more enjoyable of the crossover, so I'm going to give it four out of six pouches. I Very cool. I would do the same. Um, I like some of the dialogue in this, especially towards the end when Strife is getting all like super pretentious with his speeches and he refers to Apocalypse as the forever killer. That's just, <laughs> I love that. It's it's so cheesy and it's, it's, it's all like power metal and it's just, it's great. Cool. What about you, Dan? I mean, it's hilarious. I, I think I'm going to be um, on, on the side of four as well, because it just, Simple, simple and silly, and it's quite a fun little fight issue. So, 
There you go. I'm, I'm also going to give it a four. It felt like ah. very, hey, this, this is like any 90s issue. This was the early 90s X-Men issue that I've... I've seen, and there's there's a lot of like pangs of nostalgia there. It was just like a a fun little trip back in time for me. All right. Nice, unanimous yep. forum. Yeah. All right. Well, on from X Men 15, we're going to jump into X Force number 17 uh, with Grant. Are we are we doing the credits on these? If you'd like to. Okay, sure. All right. This is by Fabian Nicieza, Greg Capullo. Candy Kellar, Harry Candelario inking, Iliopolis lettering, uh, Buccellato colorist, and of course Bob Harris. And for my summary, I wrote, Strife beats up Apocalypse in a temple and stabs him with the MacGuffin dagger from Cable, Blood, and Metal. Apocalypse teleports away and Strife takes control of the Dark Riders. On Cable's space station, Gray Malkin, Nate lays out a ton of exposition to get Wolverine and Bishop caught up on his backstory. Apocalypse teleports to the X-Mansion and tells the X-Men that they have to work together to defeat Strife. Yeah, that was pretty succinct. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of it? I liked it a lot. I love Capullo's inks on this. And and my joke about the MacGuffin dagger on page six of the digital copy, the sword dagger thing that Strife stabs Apocalypse with was the relic that they were all hunting for in Cable, Blood, and Metal with no real uh, resolution. So, and I just thought it was fun that he went out of his way to steal all this stuff just to stab Cable to make a point, basically, just for symbolic reasons. And I loved it. I think this is a really fun issue. It's it's uh, got a lot of jokes. Uh, well, not jokes, but banter. <laughs> banter, yeah. Yeah. I love that Wolverine gets uh, sprayed with, like, fire extinguisher for smoking on the space station. Um, yeah, that was I, a good moment. I seriously hope, not from a Claremont perspective, like, like getting paid by the letter, but I hope Eliopoulos got paid overtime for all the crazy fonts he had to do. Um, <laughs> there is so much, like, this word emphasized, and that word emphasized in a different way, and yet again, a different emphasis, and it's just, man, he he put some time in on this book. Yep, and I, I like that when he, different characters have different fonts of emphasis, like on uh, mm-hmm. page nine, where Wolverine is saying, I never liked you, his, his never is all, like, scratchy, and it looks like it's been carved into a wall with his claws, but then cables you know talking about anarchy chaos and order it's a completely different font and i just think that's right. a nice touch yeah yeah and lots of cable strife world building in this issue which i appreciated mm-hmm. yep the uh you know it establishes that strife is pretty much just here to just bring destruction and chaos for its own sake which is I think very, very on the point for 90s villains, because, you know, what, you know, what's their motivation to do bad guy stuff? Why? Because they're bad guy. OK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I like how Cable put strife. Where's my face? That was uh, th- there are a few lines in here I really, really enjoyed. Uh, and obviously the Capullo artwork. Uh, I, I had no idea at the time who he was, but um you know, I, I'm a fan of Capullo now, and, and you know, going back to these old issues and seeing him, like we mentioned last uh, last time we recorded, it's kind of a, a treat to see what he was doing back then. Yeah. I uh, I really there's a there's a great panel of um like a close up of Strife's face, 
it says it has been forever and he's grinning like a madman with like the light <laughs> shining on his face yeah it's so yeah. perfect uh there are just a number of really uh glorious panels here i, I really enjoy the artwork me too it's, it's it's funny to me that in this crossover, X Force is the strongest chapters. <laughs> I, it blows my mind. <laughs> what do you think, Dan? Um, artistically, it's probably it is above the other chapters. Um, and it just looks fun. And because Capullo's uh, art leans slightly into like a Saturday morning cartoon vibe, um, with the way he like sort of rounds everyone's faces and slightly, mm-hmm. um, it, it works because it. The words on the page are so over the dramatic, like um, like they're so taking everything so seriously that it kind of <laughs> makes it funny. Mm-hmm. I um and 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 like so it feels like sort of like a um like a bygone idea of how how you should tell a story, which I suppose it is because it was like how many years ago now. But um, I don't I don't know. It just it's fun. Um, but it's it's more the art rather than because I I literally just was my my brain just shut off when I was getting like I know I need this I know I need this backstory but this is a lot of backstory I don't care about um, and I was like I just want to see shoot shoot bang bang because because um, <laughs> like these characters look like they should just kill each other they don't look like they should be wincing though I right. do wish Strife had a mustache that's all I I wish um, nice yeah. Well, he get, he does kind of sort of get a goatee in a few months, which I'll be talking about. Um, <laughs> oh, we have a stab his eyes in this. Oh yes, 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 yes there was from Strife. Um, after he after Apocalypse kind of falls into a teleporter, Strife shouts out, "Could he still live?" Stab his eyes. But uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that blew me away. But I am gonna I'm gonna count that for the stab your eyes count for my show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's what a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure what it means, but uh, it's very cable. Yeah. Um, it amazes me how bad of a leader Sam is in this comic, where all his buddies are locked up. And he's like, hey, guys, how's it going? Oh, not good. Oh, well, bye. Me and my girlfriend are going to go hang out with the big kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, well. All right. Well, what do you guys want to rate this one? Um, I know I'm being too generous, but I'm going to give it five out of six pouches. I just I had a lot of fun with it. Same. I Yeah, this is definitely a five for me. I, I like how Nisieza embraces the kind of uh, legacy of cheesiness that X-Force has. So he just brings it around almost to full parody. He embraces it so much and makes it work where it's it's silly, but it's fun. So, yeah, definitely a five on this one for me. Cool. Dan? I'm going to get a four. I think the art's where it's at for me. I, I wasn't really, like, that jazzed about the words on the page this time around. So, I'm, I'm, but it's still, it's still, four's still good, apparently. Yeah, yeah uh, it's, it's tough. I'm, I think I'm going to go with a low five. I just really appreciated the Capullo artwork that much, um, even though there was... Uh, the dialogue there's a lot of dialogue uh what are you gonna do it's an early 90s comic i don't know but uh, if i'm grading on a curve early 90s scale i'll give this one a a low five i I quite enjoyed it one of the things i love most about kapula's artwork is that he is one of the few 90s mainstream comic book artists that don't do like the broken spine you know boobs pushed out butt pushed out pose on lady characters 
Mm-hmm. I just appreciate that a whole lot. He makes them pretty without overly sexualizing them, which is oh, nice. yeah, they save the sexualizing for the next issue. So. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, speaking Alrighty. of next issue, <laughs> we're gonna jump to uh, Uncanny X Men two ninety six. The credits are really they don't say who's doing what, but uh, we've got Lobdell, Peterson, Austin, Eliopolis, Roses. Havens, Javins, Harris, and DeFalco. Just a lot of a lot of people doing stuff. On the cover, we've got uh, angry strife man holding his cape out in terror as uh, Cyclops and Jean hold a new baby. Um, what do you guys think of this one? I hate <laughs> this cover. <laughs> it's so boring. It's, it's neither here nor there for me. Meh. Mm. I'm not a real fan of uh, Cyclops' uh, blast in this issue. They look kind of awkward. <laughs> you mean his baby blast on the cover? Yeah, well, even in the <laughs> issue, like the, fir- the first page, it looks like his eyes are bleeding into the sky. Yeah, yeah. The Superman out of control heat vision look that happened yeah. in the late 90s. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, in this issue... Scott and Jean have a romantic date night in which they <laughs> they fake Jean's death, make out a lot, and then beat the shit out of a bunch of nobodies. It uh, Xavier would be proud. Beast finds a message from Strife buried in the professor's bowels. Uh, it looks like curtains for the psychic's uh, sociopath until a melted apocalypse shows up with a deal to heal Xavier in return for something. It's really vague. They're like, I want your help. And, like Storm is a terrible haggler, right? <laughs> That's what I've come to realize. I would not take her with me to buy a used car. She would not get it. Uh, the three beefcakes, Bishop, Cable, and Wolverine, put their heads together to recap the events of the previous eight issues. Mm-hmm. All that thinking just about gives them an aneurysm until Gene psychically winks at Logan's OK Cupid profile from space. Strife tempts Gene and Scott with a fake baby until they are sucked out into the void faster than reading all of this dialogue sucked away my enthusiasm for the event. <laughs> Next, four issues on the moon that result in things being unresolved. <laughs> so this issue is just like it's just like TNA and, and, and blast and. And, and making out, <laughs> it's just, I don't, this felt like a really filler issue for me. Uh, yeah. There there are a couple things that, that really struck me, like when they had the melted apocalypse laying on the slab. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really gross. Uh, is, it, is it less than the same or more gross than the first time we see Brandon Peterson draw a baby? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like a baby in a medieval painting. <laughs> Then, yeah, yeah. Like he took Chris Farley's head and put it on a baby. <laughs> it is like a, a grown man's head on a baby here. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, yeah. I do not like I I do not like Brandon Peterson's artwork. I especially hate the hate the way he draws male characters that are supposed to have long hair that is swept back. He immediately turns it into a flat top mullet. I hate that. Yeah. He does it on uh, uh, Bishop and Archangel. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. I don't understand how how Strife can control techno organic stuff and create a baby out of metal. 
that that, that Gene <laughs> can read the mind of. It doesn't make any sense. Like he can just do whatever he wants. Uh, uh-huh. He just bores a hole open in the, the space station and sucks them out. It's it's just like the you know he had the MacGuffin sword, but he's like the MacGuffin villain. You're not really certain yeah. what he can do here. Right. What he can't do. Right. Um, when they find the message hidden inside the technovirus and it says, you're smart, but I'm smarter, I put strife, superpowers, weaponized pettiness. Yeah. 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 Um, the only part I really enjoyed was the uh, the homage to the Star Wars rope scene uh, where Gene and Scott uh, telekinetically swing from the, the lever across mm. – um, Hey, quick uh, power trivia question. Mm-hmm. Can Scott's optic blast pulverize adamantium? I don't think so. Well, I, don't know. I mean, it does here. It does here, but I feel like that's not right. <laughs> it, it, it does in Age of Apocalypse because it blasts oh. Wolverine's whole hand. But... All right, oh, okay. right. All right. But I, I always attributed that to like sinister tweaking Scott's genetics or something, but I don't know. I feel like it's just arbitrary, depending on who's writing it. Well, yeah. depending on whether, it can, whether it's made of heat, it's force, it can do whatever it wants. <laughs> whatever the writer needs it for the story is what it does. Jason, I know you're not a fan of the Wolverine and Gene shipping, so I, I assume that you weren't fond of Wolverine getting the psychic message from Gene because they're so close. Not my favorite, no. No, it does make him pop his claws. Yeah. I think it's the only thing he does this whole issue. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there's a there's a moment where where Strike is just watching his parents kiss. Do you mm-hmm. think that's what's really upset him? Like when you're a kid and you see your parents like kiss, you're like, ooh, gross. Do you think he's just super grossed out by his parents' <laughs> public displays of affection that he, he Georgie, are you yeah. saying the age of apocalypse is because Strife saw his parents go to the bone zone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Dan, you've been very quiet. Sorry, I'm. Um, I didn't like this issue, which no. seems to be a, a consensus. Um, I don't get strife. Um, I think I've taken. Um, I, I like. He hates his parents, but he gets titillated at torturing them. Yet he watches <laughs> them kiss each other, but then he moans about them. Is that is that typical teenage behavior? I don't. Like I'm like two children do. I don't know. It just makes. Them, I know he's evil for evil reasons, but that, there's a line to be crossed. Like when he watched his mum get um, taken by tentacle robot monsters in the issue a couple of issues ago. I'm like, is he really that into it, or, or is it just because really he's wearing? Is it because he's wearing essentially the insides of a blender on his head? Um, <laughs> isn't. And I just, I don't know. And this issue just makes me go, oh, my God. Like, you've got Jean Grey and Cyclops. Surely they could just leave this moon thing easily enough. Even though, like, Strife can just smile and the world turns for him because he has ill-defined. I I just don't like ill-defined villains because his motives are ill-defined other than I'm evil. His powers are ill-defined other than I have to beat the good guys until I can't anymore and then we have like Archangel posing for a boy band like a heavy metal boy band shot it's so <laughs> weird and Melty Apocalypse and that crazy it's the baby I'll be honest with you the baby has blown my mind because it has lips 
that should not be on a baby. And <laughs> I can't. Those I lips can't, have had injections for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can't just. It's. A, uh, I'm sorry. This is like a two star for me. I'm, or two pouches or whatever you want to call it. I need to get it yeah. gone. That baby yeah. should be screaming "kill me" from inside of a cloning tank. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm with Dan. I'm with two on this one. Um, yeah. Me too. <laughs> There's things about Strife's behavior that I accept is red just because I I have read the like the retconning that people have done after this to explain his behavior. So I'm like, oh, okay, it makes sense to me now. But you know, pretending like I don't know why he acts like he acts, I'm like, this makes no sense. Like he acts this way because he's raised by an evil person who was driven crazy, but but it, it, the way they write it here is not self-sustaining. It's like um, you and you and a um, pantomime, and um, they decide that the villain um, they've they've fucked up the villain, and she just comes, she or he comes on and just starts ranting and raving at the children in the audience. That's what it feels like. Um, that's what Stry feels like to me, like a really bad pantomime villain, which kind of like destroys this entire um, crossover's like um, stakes because it feels like there's no stakes. Yeah. We've got like three really popular um, 90s heroes there, Bishop, Wolverine, and Cable just sat there, like, flexing each other's muscles, um, <laughs> doing doing nothing, and it's and it continues um, into the next uh, yeah, issue. It for another issue where they're just like, hey, what do you want to do? Uh, we'll just wait. <laughs> I don't know what you want to do. I don't know what you want to do. Yeah. Well, the, th- the thing that gets me is, you know, in the 90s, I don't think Scott and Gene were particularly popular other than the fact that they were in the cartoon, and so you take characters that a lot of fans were just, you know, like, well, they're they're good, you know, table setting, but I don't really care about them. And those are the life or death stakes. And a lot of fans were, you know, I, I think I skipped this one in the day, but a lot of fans were probably going, well, what? we don't really care if Scott and Gene die. <laughs> what, what, would, what, would, what would be more interesting is if it was like um, Wolverine and Psylocke were actually Strife's parents. And it just, wow. they, just went, oh. they, they just went for, went for a completely different. That would explain um, much with the costume. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and the rage issues, yeah. <laughs> metal Ninja, yeah, Metal Ninja. There you go. <laughs> like a Ninjago character. Yeah. Oh boy. Hey, there you go. Yeah. They could have used this. This issue could have used some Ninjago influence. <laughs> I can't believe it's Ninjago. It's not Ninja Go. It's Ninjago. It's, I don't know what he's trying to do. But that's what they shout when they go into action. They shout Ninja Go. Because I have (laughs) and I know these things. Oh, my. All right. Uh, Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. Go, Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. I'd rather have that than Ninjago. (laughs) All right. Uh, Uh, Let's leave Uncanny 296 in the past where it belongs and jump on over to X Factor 86. Dan, why don't you uh, let us know what happens? One of these days, as its uh, title feels like the entire like sort of ethos of the event. Um, written by Peter David, uh, uh, penciled by Jay Lee, inked by Al Mugram, lettered by Steve Dutro, uh, coloured by Glenn Oliver. Yay! And the front cover is hideous, but I have to describe it anyway. It's got Apocalypse looking like he's playing with Xavier, who's vomiting and just wrapped in Mel. And um, Archangel's really digging it. He's into this S and M, this type of S and M. So, no. Yeah, it looks like. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't even say it. Continue. Go ahead. 
That's <laughs> fine. How do you feel about the cover? Is it lovely? Is it everything you ever hoped and dreamed for? I actually like Archangel and the rest of his crap. Yeah. Same. <laughs> yep. I think Archangel looks super evil and, and great in the background. Uh, yeah. That that part I like. The rest of it I could throw away. Yep. I don't even know what's going on with the Apocalypse's bird mouth. I'm not, or more of a turtle mouth. But yep. Imagine just being sat in the room and, 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 and coloring it and going, I know what really worked with this like dark and pink blue, a blue background, like a really <laughs> dark blue background. That's what totally will work. Anyway. Yes, so this is sort of a, a, an issue in three parts, or an issue in three stories. Cyclops and Jean um, are confronted by nonsense strife on the moon, who carries on to drum his, uh, beat his drum about his past woe-is-me bullshit, and I'm going to murder everyone for some reason. Wolverine um, finally tells everyone else that he's been drawing or scratching on a table, and he got a message on uh, from Jean that and what he's been making is the moon and everything's happening on the moon. Um, and then him, Bishop, and um, Cable sit around. Bishop just stares into space. Um, everyone just whittles. Some word makes them uh, fancy. Uh, Cable makes a fancy domino piece with Chester. I don't know. And um, yeah. And we've got at the mansion. Storm basically just goes, Alex, make a team. Let's go do stuff. And Apocalypse says, I'll help Xavier. And they try and do a red herring that it's going to go evil, but of course it goes well because it's really poorly written. And um, finally, all roads kind of lean to the moon when our um, team boredom turn up and to face <laughs> impact. Team boredom? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much it. It's not, it may not be as succinct, but I ran out of steam when I was... <laughs> so I'm just like, wow. Um... I do like one image, and it's um, Jean um, doing a disco pose on the moon as the first panel. Um, <laughs> but, but other than that, I'm kind of like n- neither here nor there. There's, there is dialogue and stuff, and I feel like Peter David's style doesn't marry with the seriousness of some of the other issues. Um, and no. I just don't think it. I just don't think it. It, it, it like gels as a whole. Um, though the imagery, some of the imagery is great. Some of the imagery is not so great. Um, there's a really great use of um, shadow and black ink, I think, yep. as, a, as a driving force. Yeah. But as a, as, a, as a story, watching three of your characters in an elevator, essentially, just like humming about, um, is a bit of a, a tedious issue. And we have literally just had this issue where Jean and Cyclops are like, oh, no, we must leave and blah, blah, blah. Um, it just feels like a, a, another. It's like Peter David didn't get the memo that we'd already done half of this legwork. So just just do the apocalypse stuff and carry on, which I thought was um, bad storytelling to try and do like a red herring when they've already tried to do a red herring like three times with apocalypse being evil already. So and it's ten chapters now, and I'm starting to feel like X of Swords fatigue. Saying, <laughs> <laughs> so I apologise to my slightly. Maybe it's just because I'm in Britain and I have no snow around me, but um, it could be anything. <laughs> I just feel I feel grumpy, and this issue makes me grumpy. There you go. How did you I, all feel about it? I loved looking at this issue. Yeah, uh, me too. We we talked about on my show about how you can almost see Lee's art evolve from issue to issue. This looks just leagues better 
than his last issue of X Factor. Last time it was all kind of like broken glass and shards of metal and here like everything flow everything has like a flow to it and like dan was saying so much play on light and shadow and just brilliant use of negative space like the splash page where we have everybody kind of it's page three the digital where everybody's kind of looking shocked and then wolverine's masked face is on the screen in the background and most of his face is negative space that yeah. looks really cool um, I love how scenes he, on the moon and them crawling. All yeah. those are great. I thought. Yeah, I, I put uh, Jay Lee makes dying dying of asphyxiation look elegant. <laughs> <laughs> um, he draw he makes strife look amazing, uh, especially when again it's mostly negative space. Um, when you just see like his cape and part of his torso and his helmet. Yeah, that's a great panel. I kind of appreciate that he gives uh, Cable a little, uh, like a little bit of a mullet. I, I don't know why I like that. But <laughs> I, do. Um, I did like the banter that he did between uh, Cable and Wolverine and yes. uh, Bishop. You know, he said, if you try to, if you try to force me, someone's going to get hurt. And Bishop says like who? And Cable says like me, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like uh, knowing how, uh, smart Peter David is, even if he's maybe not the best person, he is a smart guy and he knows this was a cable started as a really dumb character. And some people may argue he's still a really dumb character, but he plays with that and he gives cable kind of a self deprecating sense of humor, which I think is fun. Um, I love the scene where we're talking about cable has to get the body slide technology calibrated and Wolverine says, how long will that take? And Cable says, if I do it by myself, 25 minutes. And then Wolverine says, if, and if we help, and Cable says, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel like any, when anybody tries to help me in the kitchen. So. <laughs> right. I, I think that, that definitely echoes Dan's point. This feels uh, you know, different than the rest of the series. Anytime we have a David issue, it's like, this writer didn't get the memo on the tone of the series and what he's going for. He's just sort of doing his own yep. Peter David thing. It is. Right. But I do. I, I like it though better, because but it's well, it's different. better than the previous issue of Uncanny, right? Did I, so the did previous I drop issue the call? No. Oh. Y'all hear me? No, I hear you both. I hear you both. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Can you hear us, Grant? Uh oh. Uh oh, Grant. Oh no. Well, see if I can vamp till he gets back. Oh. Um, yeah, he, he 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 jumped off the call. Hopefully, he's jumping back on. Go for it. Okay. So you know, in the previous issue, we we complained that our three kind of '90s trinity of X Men were sidelined. It was back. very just. Oh, great. Hey, Grant. Hey. Oh. You hear us now, buddy? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. I couldn't hear you guys from this, so I had to hang up and call. Oh no. Editing. That's fine. <laughs> oh, if you think that? I'm editing. Who does you guys. that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. But in the previous issue, they were just sitting around trying to participate in the plot. In this one, Peter David has them sitting around playing cards, cables whittling wood, bishops just staring out the space window. And the panel is like the same multiple times. Almost like Peter David's like, well, they told me not to do anything with them, so they're literally going to do nothing. <laughs> but we're going to have fun with it. And so I appreciated that. Do, do we think Wolverine's playing 
Booker by himself? What what card game is Wolverine playing by himself? <laughs> I, I think Wolverine's just discovered cards. I think that's what <laughs> Um, Let's see, Ace of Spades turns into Ace of Clubs. He's sitting around, (laughs) one day someone's going to come up with a whole crossover event about cards. I should study these things. Oh, (laughs) boy. Look, I will echo that there are large swaths of this book that, uh, visually, that I enjoyed. Um, I, I think Jay Lee is a very... He's very stylized, and I will say even, like, I love, the as Dan mentioned, the disco gene pose uh, on the moon. Mm-hmm. I, I love how the, the Earth looks in the background. Uh, I even like the next page that has everyone sort of low detail, uh, no outlines, uh, you know, like one shade colored. I, I, I feel mm-hmm. like the more, like, the less detail Jay Lee gives his characters in this issue, the better everything looks. Yeah. Um, like, there are, there are panels where we zoom in on... on cable and i'm like but then we zoom out well, we have this this great panel of storm standing next to havoc and they have their faces are like as far as color goes it's just one one tone but uh they have a really like forlorn expression on them it looks very clean and and and, and elegant like there are some great panels on here uh i don't know if this is like you ever watch a movie and um you're like that movie didn't work but i enjoyed the experience like I'd rather mm-hmm. I'd rather watch like a, a disaster than watch uh, something boring, and I feel like this leans more towards the an experiment that didn't quite work, but I I can't not look at it. It's like it's like the dark city of comic book issues. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that movie made no sense, but man, it was cool. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard of that film's name in a long time. Um, I think um. The, there's an evolution going on, like you said. Every, every, every like um, Grant said, every issue is different for Folly. But um, I feel like there's two or three different artists here um, looking at the um, panels rather than one coherent one. Sure. You've still got like the owl. You've still got like the the Stroman. It feels like following on from Stroman. It feels sort of aping his style in places when um, using a lack of using the color to differentiate panel panel structure but there's like it's there's weird traditionalism in the panel layouts which sort of is in conflict with what's in the panels quite often yeah um but visually is a fun like um i love the fact that in the in the team picking shot um archangel has a neck the size of a tree branch um like that's that's crazy because i really love um I know it's only once, but the Iceman panel, uh, where it's just his face, just the use of color to um, right. enhance, like, and like Beast just underneath him, and they all feel like um, like a roll call that makes sense in my brain. But um, I'm gonna echo Georgie, which he sometimes do, but the lack of background detail sometimes, where it's just oh just sure, the same color, kind of, and the fact that um, my digital copy has a constant white border even when the um, imagery is um, extremely starkly black. Mm-hmm. It can be quite um, distracting. Um, I just don't, I don't know. I feel like the crux of the issue, which is essentially Xavier being healed, um, doesn't really, is something that none of us have really talked about because it doesn't really <laughs> land, land well. Um, it just, it's just like, oh, he has to be healed. It's done. Bye. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't, I feel like I'm being overtly critical, but I just feel like it doesn't um, work 
and it definitely it's not like a it's the redheaded stepchild of the whole event it feels more like it it it, it caught up late to the way race and was like i need to get ready um just give me five minutes <laughs> um, um, it's, it's interesting being... that the virus comes out of him in in like a techno bug like very reminiscent of the matrix where they, yes. they like shoot the thing out of his belly button yeah uh-huh. i don't i don't understand what's going on the, with the panel where Xavier is all in silhouette and his eyes are glowing red, but then like Apocalypse's face is giant behind him and is all technological. It's, I mean, it's neat and maybe it's supposed to be symbolic, but it's confusing. It, it looks like, do you remember the moon when they went to the moon base in X Factor? Yeah. And Portacio was doing the art yeah. and they drew, um, like he merged like with the, the temple, like the temple on the moon that was Apocalypse's face. It looks like that to me. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's neat, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. But still fun. All right. Well, uh, what do you guys want to rate this one? I'll go. I'm going to get on this one. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys are speaking over each other. Let me let me let me delegate this. Grant, what are you going to rate this? I'll go four on this one. I like the art in a lot of places, but in some parts it gets a little wonky. I like the banter, but the plot element of it is weak. So I think those all kind of merge together into a four. Dan? I'm going to give it a three. It's kind of like one of those experimental stage shows that you go and you think it's a good idea at the time. You watch it and go, mm, I'm not really enjoying it. But you will tell your friends you may have enjoyed it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I feel. Definitely. Uh, Jason? Uh, I'm going to do a soft four. I, I think I probably, between Grant and I, enjoyed the art the most. Um, and I kind of just echo what Grant said. Um like the dialogue more than I like the plot, like the art more than I like the dialogue. Cool. I will give this um, a low four. I think the experiment was engaging enough for me to, to even now to be flipping through and looking at certain panels. Uh, but uh, story-wise, it feels really out of sync with, with everything else that's happening in this book. Maybe for good, maybe for bad. All right. So uh, next, we're going to jump on over to X-Men Number 16 with Jason. Yay! All right, penultimate chapter. Chapter 11 out of 12, or 11 out of 26, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is... Who is it? Who is it? Uh, conflicting... Cathexis? Yes. What, what the hell is I trying to say? I don't, what does that word? What does that mean, guys? Yeah, I gotta Google it. All right. Well, while you're googling, uh, Fabian Nicieza wrote all the pages. Andy Kubert uh, did pencils and some inks. Mark Pennington did the rest of the inks. Chris Eliopoulos did the letters. Joe Roses did the colors. And the cover is Cable yelling, Wolverine growling, Havoc yelling, Psylocke staring, Cannonball flying, and Storm floating. <laughs> I feel like any of these characters could have been like photoshopped from a different cover and just like put on this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do. I do like the throwback to the cable chest pouch that we have yeah. here. Yeah, he's like one of those uh, 
big dogs on the mountain that has the medicine or whatever <laughs> in the collar. Oh, I hope it's bourbon. Um, it's his airbag pouch when he runs into stuff real hard. There you go. Right. It's an airbag. <laughs> oh, a cathexis, by the way, is the concentration of mental energy on one particular person, idea, or object. Plural cathexes. So there we so, go. So conflicting obsessions. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, in this one, um, on the moon, the tide turns against Wolverine, Cable, and Bishop until Apocalypse and the X-Men show up. While Apocalypse um, ends up on his own, uh, the X team split up as well. Uh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. While Apocalypse goes emo <laughs> off on his own, the other X team split up. Uh, one team will look for Scott and Gene. The other will look for Strife because they're definitely not in the same room. Not possible. Right. Um, Wolverine, Storm, and Psylocke track Scott and Gene but can't follow out into the moon's surface. Uh, but some of the team get spacesuits and go out anyway. Um, approaching Strife, they are hit by a force field that only Cable and Havoc can get through because no one remembered that Havoc was a Summers. Everyone forgets about Alex. Yeah. That should be the new Dawn of X book. Everyone forgets about Alex. Um, <laughs> it's a right. sitcom issue, yeah. Yeah. Written by Rosenberg. <laughs> oh, please don't. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like starring to... starring Ray Romano <laughs> as the other <laughs> Summers brother. <laughs> yeah, um, whatever. <laughs> That's all that happened there. Right. I forgot to take notes about this one. Oops. You forgot about Sorry. Xavier having night terrors. Yeah. True. Well, that to be fair, it, it is it is a forgettable issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. There is a lot of because, just like like waiting in the water, waiting for this thing to end in the last four or five issues. They're just sort of sitting around waiting for the conflict. Right. Yeah. My favorite panel. My favorite panel is Beast asleep, or at least sort of semi asleep, <laughs> while Xavier's sleeping near him. He just it feels like Beast has just sat out this entire event, which was the clever thing to do. Um, <laughs> and just, just chill, chill on a bench and has um has Wolfsbane wait on him. So right. like he's already showing his evil tendencies obviously he goes full-blown like torture nowadays but um do you think like there's not a lot of of x factor featured in in a lot of these issues do you think that was the rest of the creators not wanting to use them or did peter david say please don't use my characters they don't need to be involved in this i i feel like x factor was only shoot into this event because that's where baby nathan originated and because they wanted even though they forgot about him they wanted to acknowledge havoc so, I think that's really the only reason X Factor is involved at all. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I'm. I don't like Kubert's art in this one as much. He, Kubert does things where he does very awkward action poses on people sometimes, and there's a yeah. lot of those in here. Like, like what are you? Like, there's the panel where Wolverine's kind of jumping up and slashing something. It looks like he's flying. Um, in the page before that, where Cable's shooting two guns, and it looked like maybe his the top of half of his torso isn't connected to the bottom half of his torso. <laughs> it's just it's a very awkward-looking issue. There is one really cool thing where Wolverine is like squatting down and sneaking around a corner or something. That looks pretty neat. Um, where Rogue and I'm not Rogue Storm and Psylocke are with him, but other than that, this this was not my favorite. Speaking of Psylocke, this starts 
something that'll carry on for the next couple of years where she is really orange. Yeah, her skin tone. Yeah. Yeah. Like she gets this really bronze, like fake tan look that she will carry on right through the next couple of years, and this is the first time you really notice it. Right. Well, there's a lot of beefcake on display. Um, yeah. Visually, it just—I don't know—it just—it reminds me uh, of 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 an in, a more innocent time um, when I wasn't that interested in uh, storylines about these characters. But um, I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. Um, all this weird green stuff in the background as well, all over the place. This smoke stuff is just. Mm. It just makes it messy and ill defined. Yeah. Um, and it's a really boring fight issue. Like, come on, you've got all of these characters. You can do something fun with them, right? But no. <laughs> yeah i think messy is the way to put it dan uh, it's it's there's so much happening on each page and and the color is just sort of haphazardly thrown across like a jackson pollock painting here it's just like all right the background's blue here and green there and it's a little bit too much detail in, in everything and it feels like cubert like the bad kind of cubert where he really turns it up too high and uh <laughs> yeah I, I do sort of i do kind of like the panel where apocalypse is is charging at uh, his his old team like ready you're gonna die or I'm gonna die he looks all crazy I don't I don't think it's a great panel but I just like how awkward his his body poses there <laughs> like the top half of him, of him is like twisted 90 degrees to the right but he's you can, jumping forward and his you, you can feel like um, you can, it kind of feels like Kubert's got like uh, one of those posable wooden dolls and he's just trying his hardest to put it into <laughs> into a pose that looks humanish. Right, right, exactly. Um, I do like some of Kubert's technology that he does. I like the little spaceship, and I like the outside of Strife's moon base, and I like the spacesuit armor. Um, but that's that's about it. It does feel like very Phalanx, uh Covenant kind of. Yeah. Very detailed tech tech drawings here. Right. I don't know. It sounds like none of us are really that jazzed about this issue. No, this, I think that's was, why I forgot to take notes about it because nothing really happened. Yeah, it was, it was there. <laughs> it happened. All right. Well, uh, you guys want to rate this this issue, or you just want to forget about it? And just, just a very forgettable middle of the road three for me. Just straight up. I, I acknowledge that I read it, and that's about all I can say. Yeah, same. We forgot to pack the pouches on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Dan? Um, I feel like abstaining. No, uh, two, two. I'd give it two, maybe. Maybe, maybe lower, maybe just two. I can't even remember what's in it, even though flicking through it, I'm like, I generally don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give it a two as well. This is just like a, a bunch of shit thrown on the page here it was just a giant mess that uh i'd like to move uh, off from so let's uh move on to the the final issue uh x-force 18 grant take it away all right let me get all right so this is by nisieza capullo candelario eliopolis and javins respectively and my notes say space armor toy biz action figure cable confront strife there is much fighting 
Archangel finds a weak and defeated Apocalypse and lets him live as punishment for his failure. Havoc, Gene, and Cyclops join the fight. Strife unleashes the full power of his persecution complex and tries to blow up everything. Cable hooks a bomb to his arm, grabs Strife, and makes Cyclops detonate the bomb. Cable and Strife both seemingly implode or something. Cyclops feels really bad about it. Later, at a hidden lab in a Nebraska farmhouse, a scientist working for Sinister unknowingly releases the legacy virus. The end. So, so I have a question here. Yep. Um, is 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 Cable just a, a metal man with a human skin on top of him? Because I thought oh. it was just like his arm <laughs> and his leg, but here half of him is just all metal. What's all up right, with that? that? All right, that's something I have to talk about. All right, so like I said, at this point, as far as Nicieza was concerned, Cable was a clone of Strife somehow, but also a robot. So I'm thinking it's kind of like the Terminators, you know, where it's a robot endoskeleton with a person skin on top uh-huh. i don't know how that works as a clone and like late like every time he gets blown up like later in um in fatal attraction he will get like literally ripped apart and it looks like gears and springs and shit falling out everywhere and that eventually gets retconned to where cable says he has enough control over his techno virus that he can disguise how it looks so that people wouldn't try to take his futureness from him or something. So they wouldn't try to like <laughs> like weaponize the technovirus. But yeah, I I I am glad that they did not go this route. Because yeah, basically cable's a robot with skin on top of him in this. And that's not my favorite thing. But yeah. So what did you think of the issue? Well, I have another question for Grant. Another <laughs> cable, another cable question. And this one I have a. This one I must not have had a fever. It's cable Q's corner with Grant. <laughs> because this is a more coherent question. Because so, I am the cable guide. So. You are the cable guide. All right. So, so Cyclops starts to wonder. Oh, are these baby Nathan? Is one of these guys baby Nathan? And of course, that that drives his typical summer's guilt. Mm-hmm. Um. And I know, you know, we, we've talked about a couple of times, there's a lot of a gray area on who is intended to be real and who is intended to be the clone, and that, that gets flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. But even assuming, well, regardless of who's real and who's the clone, so so Cable, I know, was raised by Scott and Gene in disguise in yeah. the future. Mm-hmm. But he, through all his journeys, so he has no idea he's a Summers at this point? He does not know that he's a Summers, no. He, okay. Because the bodies that Scott and Gene inhabit in the future are loosely based on their genetics, but they don't really look like them. Right, right. have the same power. Well, their their powers are very different. Like, they had, like, Gene had some telekinesis, and, but Scott couldn't really do the optic blast. Okay. Um, so, they... And again, that doesn't exist yet, you know, and as, as far as publication wise, that hasn't happened. Right. So, right. Um, and, but they later, you know, retconned it to say, well, they look different enough, but that's why he didn't know. Okay. Uh, and, you know, as of right now, as of this issue, everybody thinks that Strife was baby Nathan. Okay. And, and Cable, as far as his knowledge, when he quote unquote dies here, is he's just a random guy from the future, has no real association with the Summers family or even really the X-Men at large, other than he just kind of 
fell into them to protect Sam because he was an external. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is Cable's first indication that he has anything to do with the Summers Clan. Okay. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. If we're allowed to ask. All questions. right. <laughs> um, so, um, do you think they did this with Cable because Bishop exists, and Cable and Bishop are, have the exact the same, same character? And, 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 and <laughs> one is one is cooler. I will let you. I, I'll let the listeners decide on which one's cooler. Um, and so they decided that. To distinguish uh, one from the other, they they had to give one a absolutely bullshit backstory <laughs> that um, yeah. blows my mind to the nth degree, but has um, um, caused like millions of um, brilliant, um, I say brilliant, uh, okay storylines throughout the generations of X Men. Uh, I just feel like storylines anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know because I I know for a fact that they weren't this wasn't intended as it was written to be the death of cable. Cause they already had the cable ongoing series planned right in the next several issues of, of like the next handful of issues are it's obvious that cable's not really dead. Let's get all his shit ready for when he comes back. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think Missy Aza didn't really, I think Missy Aza was given X-Force, which was kind of like a pile of nonsense and it was doing his best to try to make sense out of it. And it was just, it's like, well, let's make it over the top, but let's try to rein it in a little bit and have it have some kind of cohesive narrative. The irony. Yep. Um, what what was left? I, I there was one time I did like um, Cable, but that's when he was like dressed on sort of in black and had full control of his powers and didn't really do much with it. Uh, is that like Deadpool and Cable? That yeah, Cable and Deadpool. Yes, yeah, the other Nicieza Cable series. Yep. When I was a kid, I used to love uh, Nathan from Age of Apocalypse, but uh, that, I think that was more of just teen angst, like yeah. another teen cave yeah. character. Yep. Uh, Grant, do you want to ask a question? Um, <laughs> Everyone else has asked one. How, like how about you guys going to make me kill you for making you read this story? Well, I was going to read it anyway, so you're good. To, to be to be fair, to be fair, um, I always I always thought um, this was my favorite crossover mm-hmm. um a long time ago and um reading it again i remember it's not um so you helped me there so mm-hmm. i don't hate i don't i don't want to kill you for it i just realized i don't like crossovers because i don't seem to like any single crossover that i've read in the past, like, <laughs> ever. So, uh, I mean, one thing that really tickles me is i had all the cable um toy biz figures in when i was in my too old to have action figures, um, 20s. And it, I love it when I find, like, oh, well, this is where they got this design from, and the splash page is where you get Space Armor Cable from. So, <laughs> nice. That's delightful to me. Did he have, did the toys have, like, an ability to, like, light up his eye? Like, if you press the back, would his light, eye light up? I feel like that's... Yeah, one of them did, and they, like, came out, like, around 1995. It was a crappy-looking one, too. That's one of the... One of like two that I didn't own because they looked like crap, but I had all the other ones. See, I feel like every single one should have been battery strapped. Think of the money you could charge them. I mean, um, they had a Cyclops figure whose whose eye thing lit up. I yeah. Just, you know, yeah. In the white and blue X Factor uniform. Mhm. Is there a? Is this issue that bad that we decided not to talk about it and talk about <laughs> action figures? Actually, I, 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 I feel actually, like it kind it, of like, landed a little bit, to be honest. Um. 
the Capullo, I think he may have been a little rushed, just not quite as clean, um, especially in the fights. Once he starts disfiguring Strife, it's hard to tell what's intentionally ugly and what's just messy. Um, and there's a page after Cable gets his face ripped off, which looks pretty cool, but then the next one, it was like he just got done boxing Rocky. Like his... Yeah. The face and skin is really puffy, and it's, it's hard to tell. Like, okay, is that a... Is that a I'm worn from the fight, or is that a I'm not quite sure what I'm drawing? Um, not, I'll, I'll give Capullo the benefit of the doubt, I think. But um, I still feel like, you know, X-Force continues to be the strongest chapter as far as telling the story of this this event. Um, um, I actually really like this issue just because of all the stuff that kind of spins out of it eventually into Cable's ongoing um, self-titled series, which I'll, I'll be getting to pretty soon on my show. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's not a masterwork of storytelling, but I think it's a, a lot of fun. I just felt like the ending didn't really solidify who Cable was or what strife was or what happened it just felt it felt a bit like a cop-out like we did all these issues to reveal who strife was and how this all connected with everyone and then is he isn't he oh they're both gone <laughs> tune in next time for another adventure of you know it was and, and maybe that's just the nature of comic books sometimes but it, it felt like ah oh, really i went through all this and you're not going to give me any answer yeah you should know better than ask answers from an ex an ex crossover. I know, I know, I know, but like, I don't know what happened. It's been a while since. No, it hasn't been a while since I read an event. We just finished X of, of Swords. I don't know why I felt so naive. Uh, maybe just reading this issue, my brain went back into a a much less mature uh, state of being, and I was expecting people to follow through with their stories. Um, <laughs> I agree the artwork gets a little bit messy here uh, and, and Jason you hit it on the head I'm not sure if Strife is supposed to be looking ugly or if he's rushed or if he's battle damaged um, and uh, the the puffy cheek cable is I, I, I agree with Grant this uh, mostly robot with uh, leather skin on top does not do it for me for cable Yeah, uh, I'm not a fan of that and I can get why they did it because this was only about a year after Terminator 2 came out, and so right, that right. was kind of in right. public consciousness at the time. But I'm 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 not a fan of it. Um, I, so, I honestly think this whole story was just Nissi as his way of taking Strife off of the playing field and doing something more interesting with Strife, which is the Legacy Virus. I think Strife is more interesting as a concept than actually as a character. Yeah, I'd agree with that. In my head, I remembered that this is where he died, but uh, obviously not. Well, kind of. Um, he, <laughs> he He's kind of like um, Malice for a while, where he just kind of possesses people. Or his, his psychic essence becomes like a, like a psychic parasite, which is, oh. I think, more interesting than just a guy running around in armor. So, like, my, I, I, I don't think it's the artwork that's messy. I think it's the color work. Um, I don't think it's the line work, because... I'm looking at the color work, and there's some things that annoy me. Like Bobby now has a red belt for some reason, um, and there's like a. I will never ever put the colors white, light blue, and gray together because it gives me a, a sort of weird aneurysm to look at. Um, <laughs> but I, I generally think that a lot of the color work lets the issue down, and I feel like um, Capullo's sort of 
or lets the visual storytelling down. And I feel like Capullo does the everyone's doing their best. Uh, sort of, it feels like uh, um, everyone's picking up the pieces, but leaving a lot of it on the floor um, to try and like give us hints that we have further stories. And for what the Legacy Virus was, it's so amazing to me that it's just an epilogue page. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not like, and it's not like. It, in my head, I'm like, oh, Strife, Legacy Virus. In my head, he should have unleashed it right near the end when he's blowing the shit out of everything. He's like, fuck you all. Here you go. There's a virus. <laughs> Boom. Done. Um, you know what I mean? It feels like it should, that should have been the grand crescendo. Like the, He may have been blown up, but he still carried out... Was it his plan? It's very, very vague. He just gave that kind of sinister like 900 issues ago. But right. um, <laughs> um, like if that was his, his end game, like he was like, I'm actually going to... Like, mum, dad, you love mutants. I'm going to just murder them all. You know, which is obviously a, a constant trope in X-Men anyway. But I feel like him and him and Cable just attacking each other until one of them melts away. At, you know, and they both blow up anyway. And I'm just like, like mm, sort of thing. <laughs> like, I don't know. It very, very much, uh, it wants to be action figures hitting each other. But it also feels like, um, um they're trying to hit some sort of note that never ever works, like some sort of like narrative theme that never is truly there, never coalesces for them. So though we're having like a Saturday morning cartoon show, we it's end on this. Angsty, it's an angsty 19 year old having their action figures hit each other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> essentially. It, that's why it's incoherent. Um, so I don't know. I don't think it, um, visually it doesn't land and I don't think it lands as a story. Cause, uh, when you begin the story, because I assume we're going to talk about all 12 of them in a second. I feel like it's a different story as it started to to where it came to be. Mm-hmm. And it lost itself completely in like halfway through. And I, yeah. I think that if it, if, if it kept the, the dynamics of the teams being a bit more separate, like having the Xbox kids have something else to do and to be more a part of like the, the story of Cable and... I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's it, it doesn't know what it wants to do at all. And this ending kind of just solidifies everything that turns me off about Cable, which is there's nothing there. Like, there's literally just, he's just a gruff old dude with a gun <laughs> who has a really convoluted backstory who who never climaxes. That's literally... <laughs> so, he's, he's the ultimate edgelord? Is that what you're saying, Dan? Pretty, pretty much. I don't mean to be really mean, because, like, this issue, I'd actually give this issue, like, a three or maybe a four, because it visually looks all right, and it has some moments that are kind of fun. I think Archangel and Apocalypse having that little moment is a really nice sort of continuation of their... Um, yeah. Even even though it's stupid, <laughs> like, it's a complete turnaround from Archangel, because he's been, like, bloodlusting for, 12, for 11 issues straight. Right. And he's just like, no, nah, it's okay. But then everyone in this book is an edgelord, apparently. So, um, you know... But I feel I feel like I feel I feel I feel like there's a prob- there's like a, a a distinct problem for me to like I can't get past um I can't just enjoy Cable for what he is which is a GI Joe X Man uh, mm-hmm. because there's so much wood for the trees um mm-hmm. and and this 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 issue this issue and this whole event kind of proves why I never really get in I want right. to get into it too but I can't unfortunately I think in- if I didn't know as much about Cable as I do, I wouldn't like this event just because it, it there, like I said, there's really not much to it. This, this story is, is pretty, has, doesn't have a lot of depth, but 
I like it because it kind of clears out a lot of the dross that does hold Cable back as a character. And it's from this point on, when Nicieza starts to make Cable more interesting, he starts to give him a lot more pathos. And then, you know, I hate to say it because Jeff Loeb's kind of a crap human being, but what Jeff Loeb does with him even after that is where it gets really, really fun. And those are some of my favorite issues of Cable. Um, well, but I, this kind of starts it, I think. Well, I'm, I may not enjoy Cable, but I shall be listening intently to figure out if you've actually convinced me on one of your podcasts. to actually. <laughs> so I, you've still got a listener. I'm just going to listen and be like, oh, maybe it's good. Um, <laughs> but there's added pressure you can try and convince me to actually pick up that's that's uh, my yeah, I, I always used to love the font because it's all like big and bold and like yeah mm, and he's just called cable so he's like mm-hmm. useful he's a useful implement so <laughs> i want to like him but Metal arm. He's got a metal arm. Who doesn't like a metal arm? I mean, arm? think about I mean, it. He does give like Scott a device connected via cable to himself to blow everything up. It it yep. really is name appropriate. Yep. I am going to step away from my device for a minute, guys. I'll be right back. I got to take care of something. Please carry. All good. Sure. I I brought up an interesting point. I forgot about that. They just sideline the kids, uh, basically at the end of, of the first half of this event. Yeah. And even though yes. they know that, that Cable didn't do it, they're still like, well, you guys stay in prison anyway, and uh, we're just going to have the five of us wait around and do nothing. I think if we had the rest <laughs> of you waiting around doing nothing, it would really show that we had 12 issues and only six issues of story. So well, the, the, the interesting thing, so, sorry to jump in, Jason, is that we have 100 villains, essentially, and hardly any <laughs> And, like, you have Strife, who has... I have issues with Mummy and Daddy, and we only really find that out a little bit later. Sinister turns up for... And then he's not, not in it again until right at the end as an epilogue. Uh-huh. And then it's like, what is what is, what is is this point? He just wants some... Obviously, he just wants generic stuff. That's all That's all anyone ever writes about him, apparently. Um, and, and, like, Apocalypse is there, but there's a reason, but we won't find out later. And it's, it feels like you've got all these evil cooks, but the kitchen's good. So we need more good guys. And you've got like a lot of different chess pieces just sat there waiting in a waiting room. Whereas the kids could break out. The kids could have broke out, run after like Cable, made more complications for the rest of the team. Because Storm's team's practically sat there like chewing gum and twizzling their hair while they're waiting for a mission. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of like team on team violence, hero on hero, hero on hero stuff. But it would be more interesting... To, to to give the other characters something to do rather than just have them all sit at base waiting. Like no one seems to be that bothered that Xavier's ill. Like No, no. I mean this is a backstory at best. Yeah. Right. Which it's is the really, catalyst for this whole event and it doesn't matter at all. Right. So so like it's not a particularly good cartoon, but Wolverine and the X Men had um Xavier like packed out for so long. And every it every other episode had Wolverine go in and talk to him even though he's in a a coma and in 22 22 minutes they still had other things to do at the same time but like i feel like if 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 the issues did a little bit more than beast in a lab going hmm, he might be all right soon who knows who gives a shit um you know what i mean get like where's 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 like storm talking about talking to her mentor like please don't die like you know where's the the emotional core of the this story other than angst yeah. and i don't know it doesn't doesn't work for me I think what they started out trying to do, what they did, 
is so disjointed that it's not necessarily all bad execution. I, I think maybe just you have people with different skin in the game, mm-hmm. different di- different artificial over metal skin. Because um, you have Lobdell, who is trying, like every chance he gets, he's like, oh, remember Xavier got shot? Remember that? And we got to do that. And then Nisieza completely even ignores that Xavier's the part of the story for the most part. Um, and he's just trying to tell his Strife Cable Cyclops story, right. which I think he does fairly well at. And then poor Peter Davis just like, what am I supposed to do here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and it, it, it's billed out of the gate as this traumatic experience for Xavier. Oh, and the three biggest bad guys of the 90s, like our three new supervillains, are all going to team up. Right. Which they don't. There's never a strife, apocalypse, sinister light, triumvirate of evil. Which I remember when this story started. I remember as a kid thinking, oh, wow, they're going to pull all the bad guys together. It's going to be like, you know, when Cobra Commander and Serpentor finally got together. And it's just, it's none of that. It's just, it's disappointing in that regard. I think if you just back off and treat it as, kind of realigning the cable mythos i think you have an okay event i think when you look at what the event was publicized as it doesn't deliver any of that right i I think um harris for that i i feel like bob harris said okay three x books do a crossover but then he didn't make everybody sit down in a room to map it out first (laughs) it feels like a it feels like a round robin story at a campfire right I'm going to tell my part and then you base <laughs> one, and, then, and then instead of going okay here's you know here's what this needs to be and this what needs to be, it's like just okay you just go crazy and tell a vaguely connected story see i remember this being massive as well like a big thing yeah. even yeah. even over here where comic book comic book shops exist one every other city um I feel like this was a massive place, but like a massive event for the X-Men. But I feel like also it's born out of loads of different events that came just, just before it. And then I, I, it just feels, it's crazy to think that it, all it is is just um, essentially, a, well, this is what we want Cable to be. Uh, the rest is the, the rest is just dressing on a really bland salad. I feel like if this had been, you know, two separate stories that were vaguely interconnected, it would have worked better. If they hadn't built it as a crossover, if like, if Lobdell had focused on, you know, Xavier's been assassinated and Strife is behind it in the in the core X-Men books, and then Nicieza had been going, okay, well, we're going to, while that's going on, X-Force is going to deal with this other thing that's going to, you know, culminate in this big showdown between Cable and Strife over here. That would have been fine, too. And the X-Factor is off doing its own thing and maybe doing some kind of investigation that's tangentially related to both. That would have worked. But making, forcing all three elements to work together did not. Yeah, there are a lot of characters coming together and none of the writers could figure out what to do with all of them at once. There was just like the cup overfloweth of, of people doing nothing. It's, it's really disappointing. You, you could have easily had a, a crossover at the end of each, what Grant's just suggested, because obviously Sinister was a major player in X Factor at right. the time. Mm-hmm. So you right. could have, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like um, Age of Apocalypse did it right. You know, cause you had, 
you know, the Weapon X story going on over here and the X-Men story going on over here and then Amazing X-Men and whatever the other X-Men books were. And they're all vaguely connected, but they're all telling their own story that all meet up at the end. You know, that, you know, that's a much better event. <laughs> I, 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 and my connection's lost. Damn it. No, no. Well, no, we hear you. We hear you, but you may not hear us. I will agree. <laughs> Age, Age of Apocalypse is my favorite event, uh, X-Event. I think. Yes, uh, I don't. Go ahead, go ahead, Dan. I said I don't even view it as an event. I view it as like a what if that I love. Right. Um, <laughs> I feel next. Like I feel, I feel kind of um, bad because I'm like I hate, I'm not a big cable fan and I'm like oh, I feel like I'm upset. <laughs> that's, that's that's how I feel. That's how people feel about everyone else's characters, favorite characters as well. Apart from Nightcrawler, everyone was Nightcrawler. So. Yeah. All right, uh, we had some technical difficulties. Skype decided to kick Grant, the cable expert, off of the cable crossover <laughs> episode. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, I'm not. We're not really certain exactly what happened, but uh, Grant. Oh, maybe he's maybe he's coming back. Maybe he's not. Um, but uh, you know, we were sort of ta- giving our our thoughts overall on on the series. Like, how would you guys? rate this in the pantheon of of x-men crossovers right so not to jump in first annoyingly right at the beginning of this crossover there's a lot of iconic shots for me mainly to deal with that one x-force issue where the x-force kids are getting hunted by the x-men um hey um but yeah (laughs) (laughs) I, i i feel like um this this event um no matter what its content is probably up there as one of the most iconic um crossovers the x-men have ever had mm-hmm. and um even though i don't particularly i'm not very fond of it i still rate it over pretty much 90 percent of the rest of it the rest of the garbage that's out there mm-hmm. so uh, i think it's um will always live like have a better shelf life than some of the other ones but i bet you if i mention any names of the other ones someone somewhere will tell me i'm wrong so I'll just keep quiet. <laughs> I, I think the concept of the event is is more well regarded than the execution of the event. Definitely, one hundred percent agree with that one. Yeah. How about you, Jason? Where do you rank this amongst all the X events of the past? You know, I middle of the road. I think um, you know some of the more unofficial events. I think work pretty well. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's a really short Days of Future Past, which is awesome. And it's more of a storyline. Um, you know, the event event that I think of that works is like Inferno. Um, most of Inferno held up when I did it for the podcast for me. Uh, you know, obviously it was so big and there's so many disconnected chapters that it's hard to say overall. But the overall Inferno story, I thought, held up pretty well. Um you know, we talked about uh, uh, what was the what was the one with Genosha that we did? Um, I can't think of the name of oh, it. The no, um, no, um, Attraction. No, I, I no. don't know anymore. No. X something. Um, Not X. I want to call it the same thing we just talked about. Right. Um, <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't Fatal Attraction? I feel like it was. Fatal no, it's not. Fatal no, we haven't done that one yet. That's where Wolverine. Extinction is. Agenda. Extinction Agenda. They're all blending into one. It is. Um, See, I feel this and Extinction Agenda were actually pretty similar 
in the regards that there's there's good story beats is bloated um there's places where the art has weaker sisters right like there's a couple of chapters of uh extinction agenda that look terrible and i don't feel like any of this looks terrible but the the peterson artwork I would, in fact, I would just say the uncanny issues in general are definitely a step below the rest of the event. Um, but I feel like there's, I mean, there's enough here to enjoy and have fun with. Um, so I just kind of put a middle, you know, if I was going to grade the whole event, I'd probably give it three out of six. Yeah. How about you, Grant? Where would you rate this overall? Um, I don't really, I don't really want to compare it to any other events because I'm, not as big of an X-Men fan of the across the board as you guys are. I'm just kind of more X, you know, cable and X-Force focused. Um, but I, I do really like um, Fatal Attractions. Um, I don't know. I, I think it starts strong. I, I think the the first issue of the event, even though it was by Lob Dylan Peterson, is good. And I like this last issue. I think a lot of everything in the middle is unnecessary padding. Um, I think this really could have been like maybe a three-part story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna go a little higher than Jason. I'll go a four on this one just because it is probably the most cable-centric of all the X-Men events. Um, but it's not—it's not as good as it could have been. It had like you know, it had a really good uh-huh, concept. Uh-huh. I think it was too much executive uh, mandate involved in it you have to do this you have to do you, know, you have to put all these ingredients in your soup even if it tastes like crap once you put them on <laughs> um but yeah i i give it a four okay i yeah th- this feels like a lot of bloat here this feels like the start of events need to be giant number of issues otherwise we're not selling enough issues uh, especially the second half is just waiting around for them to finally meet strife. Right. Well, the the event was we had some highs, we had some lows. It was fine. Um, I think it was better because I was chatting with you guys about it. If I was reading this on my own, I think I would have a a lower opinion than than how I feel at the moment. But uh, I'll give this I guess middle of the road for events. I know like uh, age age of apocalypse really stands out for me. Um, there was there's a time where I was collecting these every year. I got Fail Attractions and I got Flanks Covenant and, and Age of uh, Apocalypse and then um, Onslaught and it was like every year you're doing this stuff and a mm-hmm. lot of those are, are pretty pretty terrible. Uh, so you know compared to Flanks Covenant this probably holds up a lot better compared to Fatal Attractions. I feel like that was a w- much more loose loose event. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe as as like a an actual event that has a through line this might be actually better than 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 a large chunk of x-men events which uh have sort of a loose gathering of, of issues but um I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about it with you guys even though um we had some internet issues here that try to kick us <laughs> off <laughs> try to keep keep you away from us grant um like there's some angry angry boyfriend who won't let him let the let her hang out with her friends i don't know <laughs> wow i'm reaching but um yeah, it, this is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad we finally uh, found the time to make all the schedules uh, line up and, and, and cover this, this, this final uh, six issues. Yeah. Um, 
So um, Dan and I just released an episode uh, uh, like a week ago. So don't look for another regular episode from us probably until end of January at the earliest. But um, Grant, why don't you really like plug plug what you're doing, plug when the next episode's coming out, maybe talk a little bit about what your plans are for the year. Sure. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, my podcast is called The Cable Guide, where I talk about Nathan Christopher Charles Day Spring of Scotty Sun Summers. Um, <laughs> for the next couple of uh, episodes, I'm probably going to drop down to about every two weeks recording just because of my the way my real life schedule is going right now. Um, but I'm going to be talking about the kind of interim issues of X-Force while the cable is presumed dead. And then I'll be doing a really short overview of the first arc of the cable on the Ewing series where he has just the worst haircut of all. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to have an old friend of mine, uh, Herman Lowe, that I used to podcast with on a show called Into the Weird. He's going to join me about three episodes from now to talk about the father and son's arc where we learn that Cable really is baby Nathan. And nice. that'll be a lot of fun. Cool. How about you, Jason? What do you got coming up next? Oh, well, I think Grant should also mention his Superman Twitter. Oh, yeah. I didn't think it was germane to the thing. But, yeah, I am. I have developed an intense love of Superman. Um, and I have a – my normal Twitter account is Stormchaser, at Stormchaser2162. Um, my secondary is called about at About Superman, where I'm just kind of going through and reading a lot of early 90s Superman and a lot of um, – rebirth era superman and doing little tweet synopses of it and um i'm a little freer with my political thoughts on that twitter thread on that (laughs) on my main one um but yeah i'm having a lot of fun with superman right now cool very good uh yeah for uh for the wolverine podcast go snicked our twitter is at snickcast um as far as what's coming down the pike um as soon as we can figure it out how the, the Scalabros back on to continue our Dawn of X coverage. going to be a uh, lot of issues. It is going to be a super uh, supersized episode as we kind of deal with the fallout of Ten of Swords and where the books are going to go after that. And then uh, flashbacks um, just kind of in the thick of Wolverine oversaturation, uh, getting ready to move from 1992 into 1993. Um, and Wolverine is starting to be even more everywhere than he was. And uh, so I'll be doing some stuff in some big chunks and some small chunks and just kind of do my best to keep the flashback episodes on schedule and then keep up with the new books as well. Cool. So. Dan, uh, anything you want to plug or talk about or something you're, you're excited about us covering coming up? Um, well, um, I'm in lockdown number three in this country, so our time has no meaning. Um, <laughs> and, um, I have two questions, one for Grant, and it's, should we do Messiah War, seeing as that's a crossover of all the Xbooks and it's cable-centric? And the other question is for Jason, which is, are you going to do New Avengers, seeing as though that's Wolverine heavy? Yeah, I mean, when I get there, <laughs> <laughs> it's a ways off for me, but yeah. Fair. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a long way down the line for me on my show, but I'm happy to do it as a guest on somebody else's show. It is well, this, not my favorite show. cable because it's so dark, but yeah, I'm happy to help. 
te- technically, the show does bend space and time. Um, <laughs> so we can do whatever. Because I really, I really enjoy this uh, listening and talking to you guys about um, even if I don't like what we're talking about. Um, so that's, it's always fun. Um, I don't look. I I think I look forward to the fact that um, we're gonna watch Exiles slowly unravel. Um, as yeah, Claremont takes over, like, <laughs> we, have, we have we have we have Tony uh, Bedard, I think, first, and then um, he has a good run of it, and then Claremont's like, "My turn. Everyone is the X Men cast that I got that got rid of ages ago. Here's a here's a Gambit, here's a Kitty Pride, and here's Psylocke for no reason." Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so I'm interested in that, and I I I'm I'm intrigued on how far we can get before we just say about every single book we we review which is which is this used to be good when the old artist was there right um, it's like the fate we've programmed for ourselves right. like we decided we're gonna we take this pill anyway what i'm really curious about is how how much pain are you guys willing to put yourself through and do the 2000s excalibur series that series is that claremont oh, did. new x Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, no. In my head, where I have this planned out is going by uh, Marvel Unlimited, and those are two, those are listed as different series. Uh-huh. So I'm not planning to jump into that. Because, like, cause like if, I, if I remember correctly, one is set on Genosha, right? Yes. Um, yes. Well, Tentacle Arms Callisto. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah. And the other one is like, got, it's like a, like, it's got like Juggernaut and, and, and Captain. Captain, yeah. Damn, if, if we if we get to it, uh, I mean Excalibur, whatever, like that is, we don't need to get to that. But if if we want to like, like as far as X Factor goes, if at some point we want to jump ahead to like Peter David with Jamie Madrox leading his detective agency, I would be cool with that. Yes, you should. I'll be, I'll be cool. I'll be cool with that. But surely you don't want to miss out all of the in between, which I have no idea what that is. But it sounds terrifying. <laughs> Maybe we stop. We just cover only Peter David. So when he, he's not on the book anymore, we stop and then we we jump into more Peter David. I don't know. I, the wild I'm interested... years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm I'm interested to see how we all feel about Generation X uh, when it comes to a crashing halt. When um, is it Warren Ellis that killed all of the X books off? Yes. Um. So that'll be interesting to get to. Mm, yeah. But this is like years down the road for us. Yeah. We got a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put it i'm gonna put it in my will that our, our ch- children have to carry on the podcast um... <laughs> you, you know there is like a history of shame in a family and this is just the ours you know right yeah it's our deep, dark secret that they have to continue um anyway <laughs> this is so much fun guys uh, i really yes. appreciate it um and uh, i look forward to chatting with you guys again soon okay yeah Thank definitely you. Fantastic. All right. Thank Later. You. All right. Bye, y'all. Okay.